Hello and welcome to the Surface Tension Podcast. My name is Alex. My co-host over here is Craig. We are going to be exploring deep questions and looking for deep answers to spiritual questions and questions about life in general. We're happy to have you here. And here we go. Thanks for joining our podcast today. We have an interesting question today that peeks a little bit into uh, your spiritual journey, which is fascinating. And the what if question that comes to my mind is, what if we really recognize the role God was playing in our story? Uh, I get to hear so many people's story, both inside and outside the church. Sure. For some reason, we don't always give God the credit that he's due for the way he has worked in our story. And you had a very interesting insight about your own story. I went to church so much before I was a believer. I stepped in with both feet. And I didn't really know why. I was probably just looking for a connection and loved the way I felt when I left. But deep down, I kind of felt like a bit of an imposter because I looked around and I saw people who believed and I was like, I don't believe like you believe. Mm. I want to, but I don't. Uh, I don't. I can't. There were a lot of um, barriers for me. And that was exceptionally challenging to surround myself with believers and not feeling like I belonged. And sure. there was a lot of guilt that went into that, that came, uh, that came forth in man camp. Uh, that was when I was baptized, but that was exceptionally challenging is to try to step into faith when I didn't really have it. Mm. What does that even mean? I don't know how similar that story is to anybody else's. I would have to think that I'm not completely uh, isolated. Well, in- and the question that I loved when you were starting to tell your journey of your spiritual story is, so was God involved in just having me go to church? Right. Even though I didn't quite believe in God per se, did God believe in me? Was he working in my story far before I recognized it? Yes. You know, is he there whether we know it or not? Yes. So good. How how do we step into that? And maybe mm-hmm. that's a lot of our journey is understanding, oh, there were quite a few uh, moments in play before I knew what the heck was going on, how could we even expect that we would have everything figured out and understand the will of the father? That's absurd (laughs) to begin with. Right. Yes. But it makes quite a bit of sense Mm -hmm. when we backtrace our own stories and say, Oh, this moment kind of pulled me a little bit closer. Yes. This moment pulled me closer. Yes. I needed these moments to get me to where I am now. Right. Including some challenging ones, including some difficult ones. And, you know, it's one of the little bugaboos I have about the Christian church. Sometimes we uh, we say, 
hey, what's your next step with God? What's your next step with God? And we're picturing the fact that we somehow are taking an active step towards him. And I think sometimes we need to reverse the question and say, what step did God just take towards me? Because mm. and well said. when Jesus walked through this his time on earth, it, 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 some people were curious about him, but it seemed like more often than not, he was stepping towards people, and then people had to respond towards his step. I was with some denominational leaders uh, a while ago, and it was so interesting because as much as I like to poop in the punch bowl, I'm not alone. And <laughs> there's something called the bridge, right. uh, the bridge uh, analogy that people have used for for ages to say, hey, we're on one side of this chasm over here, and and uh, this is where we are. And then there's this big gap, and then God's over here, and then the cross comes, and and we walk across the cross, and we this is the bridge analogy to help us understand the gospel. And maybe it is accurate, but these denominational leaders were saying, what, what if we're not walking across this bridge? What if he came across that chasm to where we are? And to me, that matches your story so much more accurately. It's not, hey, we're walking towards him, and I'm taking a step, and I'm learning on this spiritual journey. Yes, maybe so. But Jesus himself in the Bible says, I'm the one who's drawing everyone towards me. I'm right. I'm coming towards you in a relationship saying, here I am. I've stepped into your world. Come, come closer. Yeah, I find that fascinating. But before we started recording, we also had an exchange where I asked you, so God's working in some people's lives before they know it. Yes. And you and I found and find that thought promising, beautiful, yes. yeah. exciting. How does that sit with somebody who doesn't feel that way about God, who maybe actively rejects God? Could you tell them, oh, God's actually working in your in your life right now, some people would get potentially upset by that. Mm. They've rejected all, they're too hurt to, yes. to enjoy that idea or to believe that there is hope for them yet. Yes. That's heartbreaking in a lot of ways, mm -hmm. but I was probably there six yes. or seven years ago. Yes. If you had told me in the depths of crushing depression where I was staring into the void, this is part of God's plan for you and he's actually working in your life and he's got your back, I would have been inclined to punch you in the stomach yeah. and say, you don't know a damn thing about me Yes, and take your positivity and your hopefulness and shove it. Mm. Sir, leave or yes. ma'am, get lost. That's that's the place that I remember before I started accepting the healing and trying again. When I was just really, really in the dark, I don't know if I could have accepted that. Mm. That would have been tough to tolerate mm -hmm. uh, to hear that mm. because. I would say, no, nothing's going right. Nothing's working. What are you talking about? So 
what do we do with that? Yeah, such a good question. I don't know exactly what we do with that. <laughs> but to me, when we're in that state, we need to have other possibilities introduced to us. Um, and when we're in that dark place, staring into the void, as you described it, a lot of times we're angry or checked out or apathetic, and we don't know what to do with that. And part of that comes with the expectations of what we think life is going to bring us, what we think we deserve, right? what we think God might owe us. Hey, you know, I put in something here and nothing's coming out on the other side. And I think we put so much weight on our circumstances that sometimes we don't give God a chance to step into it with him in a relational way that, uh, you know, I heard a quote from a pastor that I like in New York. Tim and, Keller. It's yeah, gotta that's be. The one. That's the one. I hate to name drop, but um, he said, the worst thing God can give us is what we're, our unregenerated heart craves. Hmm. And I, I think about that often because, you know, there's, there's a healthy part of me and there's an unhealthy part of me. There's the spirit and there's the flesh. There's a, yeah. the, and, the, the fleshly part of me, even though it might not crave evil things or super sinful things, it can still crave something that's going to pull me away from him. They can pull my attention, my affection away from him. And Keller was trying to say, oh, that is the worst, worst thing he could possibly do is allow us to, to, to capture the affection of our heart with something other than him. And yet... It's this lack of capturing the things that our flesh really wants that sometimes we say there can't be a God because look at my current circumstance. Mm. Well articulated. Yeah, God's not a genie, right? He's right. not just there to grant wishes. He's there to love us. And for those who have kids, um, loving your kids is not giving them ice cream for every meal. Right. That is something. And as we mature and as we grow, we have to encourage each other in that. Uh, if we look uh, again at the story of Joseph we talked about before, thrown into a pit, sold into slavery, in jail, of all, all of that. At the end of it, he gives this great rousing speech that says what man has intended for evil, God intended for good. Joseph was able to look back at the tapestry of his own life and say, even the bad things God was using in this beautiful narrative he was writing in my life and the life of my family. I think there's a lot of young guys struggling in this wild world of ours, uh, struggling to find peace and meaning. And I remember what it was like, and I'm still a young fella, to be in that space of despair and anger. It's not so uh, far in the rearview mirror that I don't remember it and that I can't see it. How do you communicate to a young fella that whatever it is that they're going through now is for the purpose of delivering on God's beautiful story mm. that has already been written. Mm. 
for them. It's really good. How do you how do you inspire yeah. somebody who's down on their luck and say, hang in there. This is the training montage of your story. It's not going to be over like a montage in a movie. You're going to have to be there for the whole thing. Yes. Because we need you to learn quite a bit. Yes. If you're going to maximize your impact, if, if we want to maximize yes. your impact, this training montage is going to feel like it's in slow motion. Absolutely. Yes. Um, you know, that's just a good question. And I, again, I love these conversations, surface tension. We're trying to identify the, the tension that we experience in our life and that fact that we live so much on the surface sometimes. If we, but if we go deep below the surface, we can find these nuggets, these questions, these concepts, an authentic relationship with each other and Jesus that are just so amazing. And maybe for that young guy, a great question would be, um, hey, was there anything in your life when you were younger that you just desperately wanted that you didn't get that would have been disastrous if you would have gotten it? Mm, that is a great question. And that would probably, yeah, some guys could probably answer that quickly. Other guys would take some time to arrive at whatever that was. Oh, but that is a different kind of love. You know, the love that gives everything that the other party desires. That's spoiling the person. Mm. That's yeah. not teaching them a single thing. Yeah. What's that? What is that quote? I hope I don't butcher this, but it's uh, hard times create strong men. Strong men create good times. Good times create uh, weak men. Weak men create hard times yeah. and the cycle repeats. Sure. That makes a lot of sense. Well, there you go. I nailed it. Yes. And it made sense to me. And I think most people are able to look back at their lives, even not just young men, young women. <laughs> there, there are things that we desperately wanted when we were younger. That yes. If we would have somehow received those things, we would have wrecked our life in a, an enormous way. And is it, is it just possible that God was working even in those moments to keep us from our own undoing? Absolutely. And God can prevent... This thought came to me the other day is that God can prevent the success if your character isn't strong enough to deal with it yet. Mm -hmm. If he needs to keep you in a training dojo mm. until you're strong enough in your character to step into the success that he has built and he has meant for you, mm. what an important thing to do to yeah. not give you that success if you wouldn't be able to deal with it. Yes. It's not just giving us, it's not just denying us things that would be destructive yeah uh like through and through it's sometimes denying us things that actually could look kind of appealing right but we don't understand that maybe we're not there where we can step into that success yeah quite yet and that we need to develop quite a bit more yeah. before we're there yeah 
That is definitely possible. And that's why I love introducing possibility into different things. Is that possible? Absolutely. Big old what if. And is it also possible that God throws people in places and does on-the-job training and allows them to not be perfect? Oh, yeah. And that's why we have the Apostle Peter. And that's why I love him. He was so not quite equipped to be that spokesperson in certain moments. And we see continuous moments in the New Testament where he's he's goofing and making mistakes. And I love that. That, yes, here it is. And his, did, if, if Peter was to wait until his character was perfectly polished to step into the leadership role that Jesus had for him, he would have right. been in trouble. So yeah, sometimes God says, hey, grow. I want you to lean into some things first, and then I'm going to bring you some success. And we have to put that in quotes because we're going to let God define that. And not let us define that. I well, I don't like the term, you know, ready. I yeah. would amend that and say ready enough. Yes. Ready enough to yes. step in. Because yeah. I don't think we're ever really ready for the journey that we're being thrust into. Yes. Who's ready to take on the mantle that so good. that God has uh laid forth? And yeah. No. I I'm not ready for that. Right. Hopefully I'm ready enough. Yes. I like that. It's very good. You know, there's a silly movie that I I watch every chance I get. It's called Hook. Robin Williams, Dustin Hoffman, Peter Pan. Did you, did you see it? Julia Roberts as Tinkerbell. That's right. Okay. Soundtrack by John Williams. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I've oh heard. My word. You I've, know the soundtrack. Yeah, I've heard of it. <laughs> so one of my favorite moments from that is when Robin Williams. Um, He's the pan. He's returned. He's this big fat attorney who's now this corporate raider. And Peter Banning was his character's name. Yeah, I've heard of the movie. And so uh, these these lost boys uh, were trying to see if this was really him or not, right? And uh, a little pudgy kid. What was it? Do you remember his name? He made himself a bowling ball at the end of the movie. Yes, his name was Thud. That was not his name. Yes, the okay the kid. This is a, a curious element of that movie where the kids who are eating imaginary food, yeah. one of them ends up with childhood obesity. What's really going on? But yeah, exactly. but yeah okay. So thud. Okay. So in, in, he's he's looking at Robin Williams and he's inspecting his face so up close. He's he's got his hands on his face and he's moving it around. And all of a sudden he takes his hands and he spreads them back just a little bit to make his face look tighter and younger. And he said, oh, Peter, there you are. And it was a moment that he recognized that this was Peter Pan. He, he grew up. And I love, I think that is so wonderful. What would happen if we did that with our own story with God? And we looked back and said, oh, God, there you are. You were here in this moment when I was eight, when I was 10, when I was 16, keeping me from something or doing something in some way that, uh, man, what, what happens when we recognize that God has been playing a role in our story our entire life, whether we knew him or not, whether we were going to church or not, he was still there, actively working, pursuing, blessing. What happens to our understanding of God. What happens to our relationship with him? What a beautiful movie to bring to everyone's attention. Yeah. Peter Pan, who grew up in that movie and he was so distracted by the goings on of the world, his job, 
that he didn't notice anything around him. He didn't notice anything. So what's preventing us from noticing God all throughout our story? Yes. There's so many things distracting us right now, be it work, relationships, money, diversions, whatever you want to call it. And it's so interesting to look at our own story. If we distance ourselves from the distractions right now and we look at our own story and peel back the layers a little bit and say, oh, wait, God was there. Yes. God was there in that piece of my story. Even when I wasn't focused on God, he was still a part of my story. I was busy scrolling on my phone. I was busy writing up reports and going to work and doing my taxes. And wait a second. Oh, you were there in some high impact moments. Mm -hmm. And to me, the more we can start seeing God's role in our story in the past, we can see him more today. A hundred percent. One of the best gifts we can give to the people around us is is the message that God is alive and working in our world today, in our lives today. I mean, yes. There's a lot of doom and gloom out there. I understand it. I'm not going to downplay that. That's fine. It doesn't matter what your perspective is on it. People think it's challenging. And God is alive and working in our lives individually, in our churches, in our world today. I think we need to reset that more often and look for it. How is God alive? In a, in a podcast in the past, you talked about um, uh, CP, giving CPR to a dog, right? And what a great moment just to see maybe God having a little role in that. Yeah, so much of, I think, when I think about God, this is really a, a perspective shift, just talking about this, is... I'm looking forward a lot and saying, oh, can you make this happen? Oh, I want this to happen. And there's so much less gratitude happening um, in my prayers and my thoughts and my experience. And I, even if that does come up, I don't go back that far in time when I'm thinking about it. I don't go back to the time before I considered myself a believer and say, Oh, where was he? Mm-hmm. Oh, so where where was that? And thank you for yeah. being there even when I didn't know you and yes. even when I didn't think about you or talk with you, mm-hmm. ask for your help. That is something that's mind-blowing is going as far back in to my story as I possibly can and saying, wait a second. This has been going on for how long? Thank you. Yes. Like it's not just about what I want to happen in the future. It's not just thanks for getting me through the week. It's thanks for helping me before I knew you. Mm. Yeah. You know, um, Tolkien has this word that he uses, um, you catastrophe. <laughs> mm. Yeah. What a great word for a story. And it's described as a sudden turn of events at the end of a story 
which ensures that the protagonist does not meet some terrible, impending, and very plausible and probable doom, which I can relate to because a lot of my life I've catastrophized life. <laughs> period. My wife will make fun of me. You know, we're driving on a road trip and we'll see, and we'll see uh, taillights, you know, light up and people hitting their brakes. And I'm like, oh no, we're going to have a bunch of traffic now. And she's like, why would you say that? What if, what if it's a momentary slowdown? Cause there's a tire rolling across the road and we keep going. And I'm like, fair enough. Okay, good. Or what if there's a majestic herd of Buffalo? That's that right. Crossing. Will- so this this terrible impending and plausible and probable doom is something I think a lot of people are operating with. They feel they can feel that. Yes, with their real situations, their marriage, their kids, whatever. There's this general huge fear of of what might happen. Um, but what it is is this joy, this sudden turn that brings joy beyond the walls of the world. Because something against all odds happens and it delivers. And now all of a sudden we can see the wholeness of the story. I don't think anybody's particularly well wired to not default to perceiving threats and analyzing situations as safe or injurious. Joy is pretty much outside of that realm of very human perception. Our perception is what are the bad things that can happen? How can I protect myself against those bad things? What's the worst that could happen? Absolutely. But the spiritual element of life comes with that optimism of what's the good thing that could happen from all of this. That is not something that any other creature on this planet is capable of. Mm. And that's the whole topic of what we're saying here is, okay, all of that is true and the normal operation, yes, all of that impending darkness and doom and gloom will probably happen. And yet there is a loving, incredible heavenly father that is writing a different story. And that's probably where the rubber meets the road. Do we really trust and believe that there is a good and loving father that is writing a story that is good and loving. Maybe a story we don't understand. Maybe a story we don't like. Maybe a story full of far more difficulty than we think we can even walk through. But one day we'll be able to be with him and say, oh, that was a good story. Job, there's this very famous passage, I believe it's in Job 19, He said, I know my Redeemer lives, and in the end, I'll stand with him on that day. Mm. I think about that. Job and all of the he had lost, and even in the middle of all this bad advice he was getting from his friends, he's like, you know what? Listen, I know my Redeemer lives. There is a Redeemer. He lives. I'm going to stand with him on the end, on that day, on that beautiful day. And I'll probably be able to look back at all of this and go, oh, thank you. Didn't understand it. Didn't like it. Understand now the story you are writing. Optimism and hope. How do we access that on a more regular basis? Mm. How do we make that a central theme in our story? No matter what we're going through, what is the element that is hopeful and optimistic? Yeah. 
And what's that intersection point uh, with the Trinity? And maybe even, exactly. And just even inviting God into a moment, Jesus into the moment and just asking his opinion. Hey, what do you think of this? <laughs> I personally think this is a big pile of dung and I'm not enjoying this. What do you think of this moment right now? Can you bring not only your perspective, but your presence as well? If somebody's going through quite a bit, doesn't wouldn't that suggest that God has quite a great plan for them? Mm-hmm. If they're going through things that are eh, what anybody would call almost objectively terrible, doesn't that mean that they're meant for something pretty amazing? I would think so. I would think so. That should be a thought that somebody who's struggling can cling to and say, if I'm going through it, this means that I'm meant for more than my current circumstances. And is that not terrifying sometimes? Because people keep saying, oh, God's growing these muscles for me. He's growing these muscles for me. He's going to use them somehow. That That can actually be kind of terrifying because if you're growing these super strong muscles, it's like, well, the only reason I'm getting these strong spiritual character muscles is because God is going to want to use me in some compelling fashion. That can be a little daunting. But we can't shy away from that either. Mm. How boring would life be if we never had to step into something amazing? Mm. Sure, that's daunting, but it's also exhilarating. Mm. I mean, ask anybody who really loves public speaking. Most of them get nervous before they go on stage. But when they're on the stage, it's electric. It's amazing. So, of course, if we're fearful and anticipating how challenging and uh, chaotic that our journey might be, of course, yeah, of course that would be slightly distressing all the way up to uh, yeah. very distressing. But once we fully step into it, there's so much meaning in it that I feel as though that that would totally wash away the anticipatory feelings of yes. I totally unease that, so good. that led up to it. Yeah. And, you know, to to wrap this up with uh, revisiting Hook again, what was most meaningful in Robin Williams' character, Peter Pan, was he finally remembered who he really was. Yes. And he started living out of his authentic self. And his priorities of what was really important, his true mission started to be re-engaged because he was on a shadow mission. He was on a false mission to, to make money, to be powerful, to prove that he's better than other people. And he finally realized who he was and what he was there to do in terms of taking care of his family and loving his, his children. And what a great reminder for us that part of acknowledging God's role in the story that he's writing for us today is realizing who we are as his beloved, as his children as someone who was worthy of him dying for so that we could spend an eternity with him and that we also have a true mission that um, we can embrace that is beautiful. And that's fun. Yes. Let's not forget 
that it's fun. Yes. Think about in the movie Hook how much fun <laughs> uh, Peter was yeah. having when he reclaimed his mm. beloveness, mm. when he reclaimed who he is, who he who he was, and who he now is. When he stepped into that, he was thrilled. So good. Everything that he was doing, he was yes. fighting, but he was laughing when he was doing yes. it. Yes. So good. And we'll, we'll close with this. This thought came out in a conversation the other day. Our true mission is the only mission that we can truly succeed in. If we're on a shadow mm. mission, we will never, never succeed. And maybe it's topic for us to explore for another day. But Definitely. Thank you for joining us in this podcast. Hope you were encouraged, inspired, challenged, and uh, continue to think deep thoughts about the possibility of seeing God's role in your life, past, present, and future.